You're listening to a message from Excel Church. For more information about events and all that happens at Excel, visit www.excelchurch.com. Enjoy the message. I love that video that we've just watched. I always get a little bit emotional when it's Remembrance Sunday. Um, the older I get, I can cry at anything. When I was younger, I was quite tough, and it like took people had to work hard to make me cry. And I don't know if it's since I've had kids or what, I'm not quite sure, but I cry just so easily. And so when it gets to um, Remembrance Sunday, and I remember all of these people who didn't even know me, don't know who I am, don't know who you are, we've never met many of them. Some of you may know some of these people who've given their lives. Yes, they've done that for us, and I always get quite emotional when we do that. And I was thinking about it this week in preparation of speaking this morning, and I love that cliff of that guy on the BBC. And I love that he started and he mentioned about King George VI because I also want to mention that as well because in World War II, all of the soldiers who were serving in the war were actually sent off with um, a New Testament. Every, uh, every serving soldier or anyone who was serving in the war effort was given a New Testament. And inside there was a message from King George VI that was inscribed and it said, To all serving in my forces by sea or land... Or in the air, and indeed to all my people engaged in the defense of the realm, I commend the reading of this book. For centuries, the Bible has been a wholesome and strengthening influence in our national life. And it behoves us, that's an old-fashioned word, isn't it? And it behoves us in these momentous days to turn with renewed faith to this divine source of comfort and inspiration. And I hope this morning, as we share the word together, that we leave this place with divine comfort, with divine inspiration, and that we are once again encouraged to become a little bit more like Jesus as we look at how we serve one another. Now, I assure you this morning, this preach is not going to be a a recruitment drive to get more people on teams. It's absolutely not. And what I want to do this morning is come back to the, the servant king that we serve. You know, we are in the middle of this series where we're looking at how we can increase our spiritual authority. And the word authority and serving generally don't go hand in hand, do they? when we're out and about in the workplace, when we, when we sort of hear authority being mentioned, you wouldn't really necessarily associate servanthood with authority. But when we look at King Jesus, who was king and also servant, the two actually marry perfectly. And I just want us to look at that a little bit this morning, how if you want more authority in life, sometimes, well, more often than not, we have to serve. And we can always increase our serving And when I talk about increasing our serving, I'm talking about our heart because serving isn't just about what we do. It's not just about having a massive to-do list of things that we want to do or make us look good to maybe the external people who are watching our lives. But actually, it's a matter of the heart. It's not about running ourselves ragged into the ground. It's actually about the heart in which we serve people around us. And that's what I want us to look at a little bit this morning. So I hope you are encouraged through God's word as we leave today to continue the service that you do because I know many of you, all of you, will reach out and help those around you. Many of you will be placed in families. Many of you will be placed in workplaces and schools and colleges and uh, with neighbours on your street. We all have an unlimited amount of resource and opportunity to be able to serve those around us just as as Jesus did. You know, servant or the word serving, can give a belittling or unimportant connotation. 
You know, I sometimes think people think, well, I'll serve when I can't do anything else. Well, if I can't get on the platform and preach, or if I can't sing like Haley, or um, if I can't do something of significance, if I can't be on a, a councillor on the local board, or if I can't be in Parliament, well, I'll serve when I can't do anything else. When actually the Bible says the complete opposite. As a preacher, having to preach on serving, we are... I know for me I was actually overwhelmed with the amount of scriptures that I could have brought to you this morning because especially in the Gospels when we read about the life of Jesus it is constantly how Jesus served how Jesus served and we know he came as a king we know he's all powerful we know he is the son of God but actually when you read the scripture when you read the Gospels especially it is just dripping with how Jesus served and this morning I could have brought 100 scriptures to you for us to delve into but I've only got a few so don't worry we'll get you out of here on time. But the authority versus servanthood, I think we quite often get this wrong because we don't appreciate that servanthood is actually uh, is a form of authority. When Jesus came, he was the, he is the ultimate authority. We, we've established that over the last few weeks. He's the ultimate authority, but he was also the greatest example of servanthood that we will ever read about. And we've honored the men and women in our armed forces today, and we, we, continue, we will continue to honor them. But a, the ultimate sacrifice that we have also heard about this morning as we've partaken of community, communion sorry, is that of the sacrifice of Jesus. You see, Jesus said the complete opposite. He basically said that the greatest thing of all, and no matter what we do in life, the greatest thing of all is serving others. And whatever our task, whatever our job is today, or however you would describe what you do, whatever you do, the task is important, but actually the heart in which we serve and the heart in which we actually undertake that task is much more important. In Colossians 3, in verse 23, it says, um, I think this is in the Amplified, servants in everything obey those who are your masters on earth, not only with external service as those who merely please people, but with sincerity of heart because of your fear of the Lord. And this backs up what I'm saying to you this morning. Verse 23, it says, whatever you do, say whatever you do. Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. And I think sometimes that's an area where we can stumble. When we think we're working for men, that's when we can get disappointed or feel unappreciated. But actually what we're being told here in Colossians 3 is, whatever you do, whatever it is, there's not a scale of important to not important in God's eyes, in Jesus' eyes. There's not that scale. It's whatever you do, you work as if you're doing it for, for God and not for men. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you are actually serving. For he who does wrong will be punished for his wrongdoing. And with God, there is no partiality, no special treatment based on a person's position in life. And I love that because it basically is once again reaffirming there is no grade on what we do in life as, well, you're really important and what you do is really insignificant. It's whatever you do. Whatever you do, you do it as if you're doing it for him. Whatever you do, you do it with an excellent spirit. Whatever you do, you do it with a servant heart. Whatever you do, you do it with the aim of how can I make someone else's life better in what I do today. I also love that there's no get out clause. So it reaffirms everything that we do, but there's also a get-out clause because whether we would class ourselves in society as very important or someone who's not really noticed, there's still no get-out clause whether we are so important or whether we feel no one can see what we can do. Whatever end of the spectrum you would put yourself on, which God, I, I reiterate, would not do that, wherever you would class yourself, none of us have a get-out clause in this. We are all expected to have a servant heart and a servant spirit. You know, when you go to work, you need to say, I'm serving the Lord this morning. 
or this afternoon or tomorrow morning or Thursday or Saturday or if you're doing a night shift and we're grumbling on the way and I can remember doing awful shifts about 15, 20 years ago and I used to sit in the car and cry because I hated my job so much and I hated the shifts that I worked. I felt like me and my husband were ships passing in the night. But you know, when we're doing things like that and we're putting ourselves out there and we're making money for our family, you're doing it just as much for God as you're doing it for your family. That's what the Bible tells us. You know, serving doesn't save us, but we are saved to serve. You know, we can, many other religions can fall into the trap of, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got a list of tasks I've got to do, and then only might I be accepted. But no, that's not what the Bible, that's not what the gospel is about. Serving in itself doesn't save us, but we are saved so we can serve others and serve him. You know, when you're on the school run in the rain, and it's torrential and people are griping up near the school, you say, I'm doing it for the Lord. When you're giving your colleagues lifts to work, you might think it's a tiny thing, but you're doing it for the Lord. You know, when you support an employees, you might run a business or you might be a manager where you work and you might be getting a bit of grief off some of the people who work for you. You tell yourself, I'm doing this for the Lord. I've been put in this position and I'm doing this for him and he's going to support us in this. When you're raising kids or grandchildren, you're doing it not just for those kids. You're not just doing it for your family. You're doing it for him as well. When you're supporting a sick or an elderly neighbor, you're doing it for him. And I think when we change the perspective, sometimes it can give it a bit more meaning, a little bit more purpose to what we're doing. You know, when you're building a business, you're doing it for him. You see, the job that we do is completely irrelevant. It's important, but actually when it comes to servanthood, it's whatever you do, whatever you do, you do it as if you're doing it for him. Whatever God has put in your hand, whatever he's put in your hand, we are stewards of whatever we have been given and we are to serve and we are to, to use that for the benefit of others. You know, there are many people who've had great authority. I want to quickly mention Winston Churchill. I absolutely, I don't know if anyone's been down to the Winston Churchill Museum experience thing in London. It's amazing. I literally had to get dragged out of there by my family because they wanted to go and look at something else. But you know, many people who've had great authority understand this principle because we can't just claw our way to the top you know, sometimes that might happen. But I, I believe many of you might have heard other people, and I, I know I have myself when, I, when you, you're out in the workplace or whatever you're doing, and people say, oh, I just worked my way to the top. I don't think that's entirely true, because I think people who really do, I know there's obviously exceptions to the rule, but I much prefer to think of it as I've served my way to the top. Because the Bible clearly says if you want to be great, you have to be last, you have to serve. And Winston Churchill says, helping others is the way we help ourselves. And he also said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Martin Luther King said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, where, what are you doing for others? And I think that's a great question for each and every one of us to ask ourselves, isn't it? What am I doing for others? One of the presidents of the United States, George Bush, George Bush said, from, um, from now on, any definition of a successful life must include serving others. And this morning, although all those people are awesome, I, like I've said, I want to look at the life of the greatest servant, and that is Jesus. And in Mark 10, verse 35, a funny little story. I like this story in Mark 10, and it's when James and John, the, the two sons of Zebedee, basically come to, to Jesus, and they're, they're vying for a position. They are wanting a promotion, basically, and they're thinking, if I get in there quick, we might have the greatest chance of being able to do this. And uh, Mark 10 and verse 35 says, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That in itself is hilarious. That they would go to Jesus and say, Right, basically, whatever we ask, we want you to deliver on that. 
Has anyone been on the receiving end of that? Right, I'm coming to you with a request, Rachel, and whatever I ask of you, I fully expect you to implement that and make that happen for me. I want you to do this. And Jesus was ever so gracious because he is, and he turned to them and replied, what do you want me to do? He was probably a little bit intrigued. And they said to him, grant that we may sit with you, one on your right and one on your left, in your glory, your majesty and splendor in your kingdom. But Jesus said to them, you don't even know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism of suffering and death with which I am baptized? And they replied to him, we are able. And Jesus told them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And he's talking about the cup of suffering here. And you will be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. Hearing this, the other ten became indignant with James and John. They were basically upset that they hadn't got in there first, I believe. Like, oh, I wish I, why didn't I think of that? I wish I'd asked if I could sit on either side of him. Uh, where am I up to? You know that those who are recognized as the rulers of Gentiles lord it over them, and their powerful men exercise authority, authority over them, tyrannizing them. But this is not how it is among you. Instead, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first and most important among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I just love this portion of scripture. And to be honest, we, there's about five, six, seven, eight preachers in there. Um, the disciples, particularly James and John, like I say, were looking for, promo- for promotion. And they'd, they'd watched Jesus over, the, year, over the, the time that they'd spent with him. They'd seen him performing miracles. They'd seen him um, healing the sick. They'd seen him feed the 5,000. They'd seen him call on the resources of heaven to basically get them through whatever situation they had to get through. They'd seen him um, healing, and casting, uh, healing and casting out demons. But they'd also heard him talking about how his kingdom was going to be established. Now, obviously, they, at this point, didn't exactly know how that kingdom was going to be established. And I believe that they were thinking, right, if we get in quick and we get our position and we get our promotion sorted, we're going to have an awesome position in this kingdom that is going to be established that Jesus has been talking about. They wanted to get in on the action. And I love Jesus' response. He's like, you can get in on the action, but it's going to be a cup of suffering. <laughs> Do you really know what you're asking for? Do you know what is coming up? I've told you that, I'm, yes, I'm going to establish my kingdom, but a time and there is an hour coming where basically I'm going to have to die. And I love that Jesus was so gracious. And what he basically turned around and he said to them was, I love your heart, I love that you want to be with me, but actually what I really want you to do is, I want you to pick up a towel and I want you to serve. In John 13, in verse 3 and 4, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God, got up from supper, took off his outer robe and taken a servant's towel, he tied it around his waist. And this is how, this is obviously symbolic, but this is how we should be going around our business, as if we've got a towel tucked into our robe, tucked into our belt, ready to serve whenever the, there is need. Because, you know, Jesus, I'm going to read the scripture in a moment, but Jesus went on to wash the disciples' feet. Wherever Jesus went, he was already, he had a towel ready to serve. He had a towel ready to do whatever it took to help other people. He was prepared, and I love that when he went to the cross, he did something for us that before we'd ever done anything for him. 
And I've told that story before when I went on mission when I was a cheeky little 17-year-old over to Ireland going over with the worship team and I wasn't happy because none of my friends were coming. I felt it was going to be rubbish. I was quite, I felt I'd not been pushed into it, but felt there was an expectation for me to go and had a really bad attitude about it. And when I got on that minibus, I remember sitting down in the back seat because that's what little hard rebellious people do, they sit on the back seat of the bus. And I plonked myself down there and I remember saying in my head to God, I hope you appreciate what I'm doing for you, God. And he replied back to me and I've never heard it like this since because nobody else on the bus heard it, but to me it was as if it was an audible voice and all it said was, look what I did for you. And I love that Jesus did that thing for me before I'd even done a thing for him. Before I'd got on the bus and gone on a little mission trip, as if that was a massive hardship, because it really wasn't. It was actually one of the biggest blessings of my life when you just have to push yourself sometimes to do these things. But I love that Jesus is ready to serve me, that he got his towel out and he did more than just get his towel out, but that he died for me and you before I'd even done anything for him, before I even knew who he was, before I even knew his name. He was the one who'd got his towel out to serve me. He's the one who decided that he was going to be nailed to a cross so that I would have eternal life and be able to live with him forever before I'd done anything for me, for him, before I'd acknowledged him, before I'd led worship, before I'd preached, before I'd served, before I'd prayed for one person, he did that for me. And that is the same spirit and the same attitude that us as Christians, he's called us to be the same, to be prepared to be ready. And I know we're never going to be exactly like Jesus, but there's no harm in trying, hey? There's no harm in going out there and doing our best to serve other people and thinking of ourselves on a, on a Monday or a Tuesday or wherever you find yourself after we've been in this service, what can I do for other people? Having the same attitude that he did. When was the last time you did something for someone who's never done something for you? And some of you might be awesome at this, but sometimes I think we need to be really mindful and be purposeful about sitting down and what can I do this week to bless and help somebody else, to enhance and enrich the life of somebody else. In John 13, I'm sorry I'm throwing loads of scriptures at you, but um, I think these are really good points. John 13 and verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God, got up from supper, took off his outer robe and taken a servant's towel, he tied it around his waist. And there's a couple of things in this scripture that I just want to pull out. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had put everything in his hands. You see, Jesus understood that everything he'd been given had been given to him by the Father. Do we always acknowledge and know that everything we've been given has been given to us by the Father? He knew the resources that he had access to. And I spoke last week about your spiritual authority and knowing what you've got in your spiritual bank account. And sometimes it's the same with knowing what we've got in our hand and how that, what you might consider a small thing, is actually a great thing in your spiritual bank account and how it can bless other people. He knew the resources that he had access to. He knew it wasn't of himself. He knew it had come from the Father. And we're going out and when we're going out and about on our business, because we're only together for an hour and a half, some of you do with the double. If you do the double, you maybe we're all together for three hours on a Sunday. But in the big scheme of things, we're not together a long time. When we're out and about doing our business, are we about doing the Father's business? And do you know what's in your spiritual bank account? Do you know the authority that you have in serving other people, in helping other people, and that the Holy Spirit is there with you, urging you on and giving you ideas and new creative ways to do that? Point two is Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was the Son of God, but he also knew that he was a servant. And I love that. I love that Jesus knew first and foremost he was a king and he knew he was also a servant. You know, do we walk around knowing, well, I'm the daughter of the king? 
And there's nothing wrong with that. I've preached on that before many times. You're a son and a daughter of the king. What, I did it last week. Walk with authority. Walk in the authority that Jesus Christ has given you. None that you can walk around with a, a godly assurance and a confidence. We're the head and we're not the tail. We're above and not beneath. You know, we have this, this confidence, but do we also know that we're called to also be a servant? And it's important that we don't edge one way or the other way, that we're so kingly minded that we think we're above serving or above doing certain things, but also that we're not so servant minded that we actually forget the power and the authority that we've got in Jesus Christ. We have to have a great balance as Jesus did, that actually when I need to be a king, I'll be a king. When I need to be a servant, I'll be a servant. And quite often the two overlap. Don't forget the authority that you have in Christ and don't forget to serve as he did. You know, he knew here, he's basically saying, I know that everything I've got is, is, is from the Father. I know it's come from God. And, he's, and then he goes on to say, and I'll soon be returning. He knew he was going back to be with the Father. He knew that he was going back to heaven. Like for me, I'd be like, I've done my bit. I've done my bit on earth. The worst bit's coming up. So to be honest, I'm just going to take tonight off. But he got a towel out and he washed his disciples' feet, knowing that it was only a matter of time before he was going back to be in heaven. And would never have to be concerned with washing dirty, stinky feet of his disciples. And I love that he was that humble, that he would do that. Knowing actually, in a very short um, period of time, I'm going to be going back to heaven. But actually, I'm still called to serve. I'm still called to wash feet. I've still got a job to do while I'm here. And I pray that I would never get to the position where I feel, do you know what? I've done my bit now. I've done as much as I can. I'm going to be off to heaven shortly. Or I'm going to sit back and relax a little bit. But actually, no, we've always got a towel. We've always got our towel attached into our belts. You know, Bill Johnson puts this thought beautifully, and um, I love how he describes it. He basically talks, he says, rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. And I just think that is just an incredible principle to live by, obviously founded in the Bible. I'll say it again, rule with the heart of a servant, but serve with the heart of a king. You see, you rule with the heart of a servant because you know that everything you have access to is for the benefit of others. But you serve with the heart of a king because you know that you've been placed in people's life as royalty. Like I was saying last week, you might be the only person who can see the king or the queen in somebody else. Because quite often we don't see it in ourselves. I think I shared this at one of our our daughter's um, services. You know, sometimes people don't see the king in themselves. They see the servant, but they struggle to see the king. And when you serve, when you are leading with the heart of a a king and serving with the heart of a king, then it's our responsibility to see the king and the queen and all of those around us and remind people of who they are. And I think this is a great way in which we can serve people. I I remember a, a good few years ago now, I was about to make a really silly decision and I was being stubborn about it. Um... And I'm not going to go into all of the detail, but I'd set my mind on making this decision. And looking back now, it would have been an absolutely terrible, terrible thing. And um, I'd got, my, got myself all worked up. And someone had the courage and the bravery to come to me. Because, you know, sometimes it's awesome when we're helping people practically. But sometimes actually helping other people and walking in spiritual authority is being brave enough to speak the truth to somebody else in love. And somebody had the bravery and the courage to come to me and say, well, I've heard about what you're thinking you're going to do. And actually, I feel I really need to speak some truth into your life. Because actually, I think you're going to massively regret if you make that decision. This is what the Bible says. 
I believe what you're going to do is not in line with that. I think you're being stubborn. You're digging your heels in. And I love you enough to basically say, this is what the word says. I love you enough to tell you, don't make this mistake. And that is walking in spiritual authority. That is not us walking around thinking we can lord everything over everybody else. But that is when we have relationship with people and we can walk in that spiritual authority and say, you know, I love you, right? But I think what you're going to do is going to make, uh, it's going to really cause issues in your life. And I'm thankful that I'm now in a position sometimes where I can do the same for other people. Where I see a problem coming, I'm like, I just need to give you a warning here. Actually, I'm going to walk in the spiritual authority that I've been given. And because I love you, I, need to, I feel I need to warn you. If you continue in this path, if you continue with this behavior, if you continue with making these life choices, this is what's going to happen. And some people listen and some people don't. But I know, and I'm, you guys do it, I know, because many of you have spoken to my life as well. We know that we have walked in our spiritual authority and we have been the hands and feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus in that time. It's careful how we rule with our hearts and how we serve with the heart of a king. You know, when you serve with the heart of a king, you do all these things with excellence. When you serve with the heart of a king, you see purpose and destiny attached to whatever you do. When you rule with the heart of a servant, you lead by example. When you rule with the heart of a servant, you never see people you lead as less than or beneath. And when you rule with the heart of a servant, you are constantly looking for ways with which you can improve the lives of those around you. Paul puts it beautifully as well in Philippians in chapter 2 and in the message version in verse 3 it says, If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends, don't push your way to the front, don't sweet-talk your way to the top, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. And I love this line, what it says here. It says, forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Sometimes some of us just need to take a break from ourselves. Me included. I know sometimes when I've been feeling a bit sorry for myself or a bit woe is me, sometimes we just need to take a break from ourselves and actually look to see who we can help around us. It's amazing how quickly our perspective and our attitude and our outlook and perspective on life change. When we forget ourselves, like that's what that says, not just me, it's what the Bible says, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Goes on to say in in verse 5, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process, and he didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. In verse 9, it says, Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created things in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all. So when Jesus served, when he became nothing, when he was born as a baby in that little stable in the midst of muck and mess, that is when Jesus, that is when he was elevated. That's when the Father elevated him. And I love that there's promises in the Bible that basically give us um, promises and assurance that even though we should do it because we want to do it, but actually God is so gracious that he basically tells us, you know, when you become last, 
I'm going to make sure that you're first. And we can often quote that scripture that says, when we get to heaven, we'll be, we'll be first. But actually, the scriptures in the Bible that says he would re- he'll reward that while we are here on earth as well. And I'm going to read those in a moment. <clears throat> but you know, Jesus, the Son of God, the Most High King, Lord of Lords, he never placed himself in a position above others. He led by serving and he loved by serving. He washed feet and he fed thousands. He walked to visit the sick. He went to those who needed healing. He went to those who were dead and raised them. You know, we are probably overwhelmed with the amount of people in our lives who feel spiritually dead. You know, we have to walk to those people just like Jesus did. You know, he stopped to touch and heal a sick woman. He spent time with those who no one else wanted to spend time with. He went to the lepers. He went to the outcasts. Jesus lived a life of humanity. You know, people's lives were changed when they came into contact with Jesus. And it's a great reminder for us, isn't it? How many lives are changed when they come into contact with me? Do people walk away from me feeling better or do they walk away feeling more negative about life? Because we are hope carriers. And it's spiritual authority that we... There's not everybody in life have got the spiritual authority to be hope carriers like we do. They just aren't. I go around and meet lots of, in my day job. I meet lots of vulnerable people who don't really have a lot going for them in life, the stage of life that they're in, or illnesses that they're having to deal with, or sicknesses that they're having to navigate, or people who are completely alone and literally don't know any, any other people. And I have the ability, just as much as I'm sure many of you in this room have, to actually walk in my spiritual authority to bring hope to those people, because I know Jesus Christ. And you have that same spiritual authority wherever you go to, this afternoon, tomorrow, to walk in that spiritual authority and be dispensers of hope, to be dispensers of love, to be dispensers of grace, of non-judgment. We all have the ability to be able to do that. And there are many stories in the Bible. We can look at Ruth and Naomi. We can look at Joseph who served Potiphar and was elevated to a position of authority. But it all started because of serving. You know, Ruth is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus, but it started with serving a mother-in-law. And that's one thing I do want to mention is that we serve our families well. Again, I keep harking back to last week, but I mentioned at the, when um, Pastor John shared about the story of David and Abigail and how she served and how she served David and how calamity was avoided because she had a servant heart and a servant spirit. And at the end of that, I shared that quite often I've not served my family as well as I've served people outside of the family. And it's something that we all have to be mindful of, that actually, no, my primary is I need to serve my family, my husband well, and my children, and everything else is is important as well. But I want to encourage you this morning, you might not feel you've got a job to go to tomorrow, but if you've got family, if you've got friends, if you've got neighbours, we serve them well. Make sure you serve those people well. Serve with the heart of a king. Where am I up to? David. David was led into his destiny because he served. And quite often we're looking for our destiny out. We were looking for our dreams to be realized. We're praying to God, have you seen the desires of my heart, God? David basically delivered some sandwiches to his brothers on the front line. And if he hadn't have done that, would he have ever met his destiny? It was his servanthood. It was his servant that led him into his destiny of greatness. And I hope that none of you in here find that what you do so menial, so insignificant, that you think it'll have no long-lasting impact. Because that's a lie from the enemy. The Bible tells us that we are to serve. And when that serving attracts the attention of heaven, whatever you're doing. It may not be noticed by anybody else, but your serving attracts the attention of heaven. You know, you have the ability to pray. 
You may not be able to get around so well. You may not be able to go and visit people, but you have the ability to pray. We may never have to go into a physical battle or into a war like we've heard about this morning, but there will be other spiritual wars that we have to fight and come alongside people with. And one way we can do that is by prayer. You know, when you're going through a hard time, look to see who you can pray for. Look to see who you can help. It shifts our perspective. You know, when Job prayed for his friends, it says he got well. And I think that's amazing. When Job prayed for his friends, he got well. And of course, we believe that Jesus is going to heal the people we're praying for as well. But what a promise. When Job prayed for his friends, he got well himself. You know, it also goes on to say when he served others, he went higher. And Job probably went through more in life than any of us will ever face. You know, something powerful happens when we take our mind off ourselves. You know, in the middle of pain, I pray that we ask God to show us who we can bless while we're waiting for our breakthrough. Who can I pray for? Who can I help? Who can I go and visit? Who can I go and see, even in the midst of my pain and trouble, while I'm waiting for my breakthrough? Because I believe that catches the attention of heaven. You know, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians in chapter 14, he says, when you gather together, each of you bring something. Each of you come along with a song. Bring a scripture. Bring a word of encouragement. I haven't got time to read the whole scripture, but it's basically saying when we come together, we're not just coming here for ourselves, although we do get something. I hope you get something from when we come together and we spend time in worship and we spend time meeting our, our Savior and our Father. But actually, Paul encourages and, and, and sort of, um, encourages us to come together, each one of us, bring something. Don't come empty-handed. When you come to church on a Sunday morning, when you go to your connect group, when you go to a men's service, when you go to one of our women's things, when our kids are serving, make sure you turn up with something in your hand. Make sure you don't turn up empty-handed. You know, many of us are taught, aren't we, when you go to someone's house, make sure you take something with you. (laughs) Don't don't turn up empty-handed. And spiritually, it's the same when we come here. And it doesn't mean that you have to get up here and give a word or... For some of you, the thought of public speaking is just awful. But you can come and you can encourage someone. You can say, I've been praying for you this week. God put you on my heart. Sorry I haven't been in touch this week. But you've come with something in your hand. You've come with a prayer. You've come with a word of encouragement. It even says, come with a song. Come with a psalm. Come with an exaltation. So you can come and you can bless the worship team by giving 150% in the worship. That can be your gift on a Sunday. That can benefit the person who stood next to you. I know sometimes when I've been facing some difficulties and I'm struggling to sing because I feel quite emotional and I've heard other people around me singing, that's helped me find my voice and sing. When you come on a Sunday, make sure you don't come empty-handed. Come with something in your hand. God takes it very seriously how we treat people. And by doing so, he blesses us. By helping other people, we increase our joy and feel better with our lives. It's a two-way thing. But I just want to encourage you. You know, we've been talking about towels. And when I was praying, I just really felt that some people had thrown the towel in. And we've all probably had moments where we feel like throwing the towel in. For various reasons. And I'm not talking about serving in church. I'm just talking in general. serving, Serving in general serving your family, serving, serving your kids, serving your colleagues at work, serving your neighbours, serving your community. And on many occasions, in probably all of those spheres that I've mentioned, I've felt like throwing the towel in. And I'm not talking about moving on and getting different jobs. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is you've made a conscious decision. Enough's enough. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to... That's basically what I want to do. I want to throw the towel in because, for me, I've just had enough. You might have been hurt, you might have been betrayed, you might have 
stuck the towel on your belt and gone and helped someone and feel like it was thrown back in your face. You may have tried to help someone and they said it wasn't enough. What you offered was not enough. But actually, that same thing happened to Jesus because actually when he washed, when he picked up his towel and he washed his disciples' feet, he also washed the feet of Judas. But he didn't throw the towel in. He still went to the cross. And I want to encourage anyone here this morning who feels like you have already thrown the towel in to pick it back up again. Or if you feel like throwing the towel in on life in general, I encourage you to hold on to it. And one way we can overcome feelings such as that is to pick up our towel and see who else we can serve. See who else I can pray for. Yes, well, maybe what I offered that person maybe wasn't enough and I've maybe been criticized for that and all that's happened to me and probably all of you. You've done what you thought was best and maybe got it wrong. And sometimes I have got it wrong. I've tried to help someone in a way that I thought was right and maybe it wasn't right or it didn't actually help that person. But that doesn't mean that this towel isn't going isn't to have a use. You know, we use a towel, don't we, to dry us. It dries again and then we use it again. Just because we've used a towel once doesn't mean it goes in the bin. We pick it up, we let it dry and we use it again. And for some of you who maybe did feel like you served and have maybe had your fingers burnt or maybe had your heart burnt, I encourage you to pick up the towel again. And it might look different for every single one of you. It might mean serving on a team. It might not. It might actually mean serving your family well and being more mindful of how you're serving your family at home. It might be actually, do you know what? I'm going to pick up my towel with my colleagues at work. I'm believing to see a change. See a change in them, but see a change in me. Because when we pick up this towel, it doesn't just affect the other person. It affects us as well. Like I say, it attracts the attention of heaven. You might have picked up the towel and spoken truth to somebody. And you got a mouthful back. <laughs> I've been in, been in that position as well. That doesn't mean that the truth isn't the truth. It maybe just means they need more time to be, to be able to process that truth. And you might be scared now of speaking and discipling and coming alongside other people because you got the towel thrown back in your face. Who are you to tell me that? And if you've done it in love and you've done it out of the right reasons, I encourage you to pick the towel up again and continue to disciple people around you. Continue to speak the truth in love. Continue to encourage people to live a more godly life. Encourage people um, with the word of God. Why, why, are you, why are you talking like this? You're above and not beneath. You're the head and you're not the tail. And yes, you might not like want to hear that right now, but I'm going to keep saying it to you anyway because one day you'll end up believing it. Another thing you can do when you pick up your towel is actually be generous with your forgiveness. I am so grateful for the people that have forgiven me over the years when I've got it wrong. But that means that I have to be generous with my forgiveness to other people who've hurt me. And that is walking in spiritual authority because sometimes you have to make a decision. You don't feel like forgiving. But people have forgiven me, so I have to forgive them. Jesus has forgiven me, so I have to forgive other people. And you might feel like forgiving someone is maybe throwing the towel in and handing over control to that person, but that's not what it is. And if you've stopped forgiving people because you feel it was wasted, I encourage you to pick the towel of forgiveness back up again and continue to forgive because it does no harm to anyone except yourself when you don't forgive. It's a way of serving others. It's a way of serving is forgiving other people. You know, if you feel like you're the only happy one in the office on a Monday morning, you're the only dispenser of hope, and you're like, I've had enough of that. Why bother? Why do I even bother coming in here with all these miserable people? Pick that towel back up because you might be the only voice, the only voice that Jesus would 
have in their lives at that point in time, pick it back up. And even if people are rolling their eyes because you're going in all happy and jolly, believe me, it will not go unnoticed. Imagine what it would be like without you doing that. You might have already seen the fruit of that. And I want to encourage you to serve someone else's dream. You know, if you've got a big dream in your heart, sometimes you've got to, you've got to hold someone else's crown before you hold your own. You do. Before I was responsible for the worship team, I've admitted this. I was, before I was asked to do that, I can remember thinking, oh, I could do that job better than that person could do it. And it was only when I actually sorted my own attitude, my own heart out, and I had a conversation with God and said, you know what, no matter what, if I'm in that team for another 20 years and I have no position in that team, I'm going to serve really well. I kid you not, the following week, I was asked to run the worship team. And the reason I didn't get it before was because I had a bad attitude, because I had a bad heart, and I was going for promotion for myself. Like, I'm painting a bad picture of, of the disciples here who are like, oh, I want to sit next to you, Jesus. But I've been like that before, and I'm sure I'm not the only one in here. And it's only when we submit to somebody else's dream, it's only when we submit to somebody else's um, position and somebody else's calling, and sometimes it's only when we submit to somebody else's ministry that actually God is like, you're right, you're ready now. You're ready to have a bit more responsibility yourself. And so I encourage you this morning, if you're feeling like you are sick of serving someone else's dream, one day you'll hold your own crown because you've held somebody else's. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. The last thing I just want to finish with now is Mark 10. When we serve others, heaven can't help but invade invade earth. And I just want to quickly read Mark 10 and verse 17. It says, Then Peter says to him, See, we've we've left all of our family and we've followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. What he's saying there, whatever you have done for the sake of the gospel, I'm going to return it to you hundredfold anyway. When you've done it to encourage and edify the lives of other people, I'm going to return it for you to you a hundredfold. But it actually says now, now in this time, not just when we get to heaven, which is going to be amazing, but actually now in this time, I'm going to return to you all that you've done for the sake of the gospel a hundredfold. And I wanted to finish on that because I want to encourage you this morning. Don't ever see what you have done is wasted. And I'm not just talking about what you do here in the house of God. Whatever you do for your family, whenever you reach out to your neighbor, whatever you do at work, whatever you do in the school, whenever you send messages of encouragement to people in the household of faith, whenever you've delivered a meal, whenever you've gone and visited someone in hospital, whenever you've gone in the prison and encouraged somebody and spoken the truth, it's going to be returned to you a hundredfold in this lifetime while we're on this earth. So we're going to finish with a song and why don't you just stand to your feet. I'm going to